Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David and as always I am joined by the changeable Matt. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy again, birthday to <laughs> you. Happy birthday. Neither the time nor the space of podcu about podcu. Pod. Oh. <laughs> Screwed it up, David. You're gonna have to keep that in now. You're gonna have to yeah. keep that in. Ruined it, didn't I? <laughs> it's fine. I'll I'll just I'll edit it on the RSS feed so it says that now. A podcu about Doctor Who. Well. Well, there we go. Three three years, Matt. Yeah. Three years we've been doing this nonsense. Do you want to know exactly how, for how long we've been doing this nonsense? Yes, by all means. Seven days, seven hours, 53 minutes. <laughs> so well over an entire week of our lives. Yeah. And that's just that's just the, the, the finished edited product. That doesn't take into account the amount of time you spent, Matt, just watching Doctor Who in preparation. Yeah. The amount of time spent editing... Um, yeah, this is, did you, did you really think this through, Matt, when you agreed to do this with me? I didn't think at all. I'll just live life on the edge. <laughs> um, so yeah, listeners, this, it's our, it's our third podiversary and our 150th episode. And as if that wasn't exciting enough today, we're going to be talking about the woman who fell to earth. Isn't it, like, I was thinking about this today, because mm-hmm. obviously with, like, episode 100, you yeah. kind of planned ahead so that we'd be doing the anniversary special. Yeah, but... I, I can, I, like, to the point that I, I technically counted an adventure in space and time as a bonus episode specifically, so it would count as, it would but, be our hundredth. Like, because I, I was thinking today, like, yeah. You just did all those funny little episodes last year when it was mm-hmm. lockdown, and like it's just worked out perfectly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this was a complete uh, hitting hitting the woman who fell to earth on one hundred and fifty was uh, purely coincidental. I didn't, I didn't plan that one jot. Um, I wasn't even sure we were going to make it this far, to be honest, Matt. Yeah, right. And um, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'm, I'm going to talk about it later, but mm-hmm. um, I was thinking about episode one this week. I, I wasn't mm-hmm. even married then. Yeah. I mean, little Absorbaloff was... I mean, we knew he was he was due, but he he uh, hadn't put in an appearance back then. Yeah. So, you know. yeah. What a, what, a, what a journey we've had. Indeed, indeed. But let's not wallow uh, in that too much, Matt. Um, Are you joking? I, I, I was bigging myself up for a big party. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm in party mood. I've got... Yeah, I'm um, on the beers. A, I, I've got a slightly larger than average cup of decaf tea. Uh, I'm on a lovely grapefruit-infused IPA. Oh, that sounds horrific. Oh, oh it's tart, <laughs> David. It's so tart. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I could do that. Um, to be honest, I find I find IPAs a little bit astringently citrusy at times. Anyway, the idea of 
taking an IPA and thinking, you know what this needs? More of a citrusy tag. Let's whack some grapefruit. Wow. You might be even more disappointed if I tell you what I was drinking last night. What were you on last night? Alcoholic dandelion and burdock. I've become obsessed with it. (laughs) I am not a fan of dandelion and burdock. You're an absolute fool. Yeah, it just, it doesn't work for me. I, I can't, you know, this is this is one of the those rare things that my partner and I fundamentally disagree on as well. I tell you she what, it, it has burdock. lit up our Twitter this week because <laughs> our American listeners can't get it. We can't get root beer. And, oh, it's, it's drawn a line in the sand this week. <laughs> you see, I do like root beer. And I would say, Matt, you can get root beer, just not everywhere it's not common and uh, i'll be honest i i'm mostly reliant on aldi's like sort of own brand root beer and it's not great the it's only, okay the only place i've seen it is um in those like american style sweet shops mm. you know where we get all the candy that's actually illegal in britain yeah yeah no, it's good stuff though, root beer. Especially if you can get like a, a decent quality one. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. I went through a phase of instead of I, I used to go to the American sweet shop in York. Like if it was sunny, I used to. Yeah. The one I used to go to is closed now. And I used to get mm. like some nice drinks and then go sit in the museum gardens, do a bit of reading. But I can't Very remember nice. the exact drink that I used to get. I know I used Mm. to sometimes get an Arnold Palmer iced tea, Um, but I can't remember. It'll come to me. Mainly grape soda. That never took off in Britain until just recently. It's vile, though. That's why. Do you actually have functioning taste buds? Yes. I don't... I just don't like grape soda. Does that make me a bad person? You've upset me. (laughs) <laughs> come on then let's should we get the other the usual food chat out of the way then uh we can do it's a late recording so we can do the mm. full run if you want yeah i suppose so um do you want to kick us off uh i can't because my breakfast is my meal of the week oh okay then right well um i'll i'll, I'll run through mine then quickly shall i so started strong today um for reasons I'll go into in more detail later, but um, my my partner decided she was going to have a crack at making hollandaise sauce. So we didn't obviously have any sort of ham to speak of. So she did um, eggs benedict, but with mushrooms. I forewent the mushrooms, and so just had a poached egg, but with hollandaise sauce. Um, and I don't need to tell you, Matt. Surely you're 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 familiar with a be- with an eggs Benedict, I presume. Oh, uh, you know I am. You know mm-hmm. I am. Uh, so yeah, that was that was a very very strong start to the day. What what are your thoughts on eggs Benedict versus eggs Royale? Which would you rather have? Is that with salmon? Yeah, I do like an eggs Royale uh, on the is, rare occasion I have it. Is it eggs Florentine where it's with spinach? Yeah, possibly. I don't. I can't be doing with that sort of nonsense, to be honest. In most cases, frankly, I'll just, ha- like, like I did today, I'll just have the egg in the sauce, thanks very much. Nice. Did yeah. you have it on toast, though? You didn't just have wet eggs? 
Oh, no, no. <laughs> Had it on toast, yeah. Good. Yeah. What about your lunch? Um, lunch was um, just a sandwich, to be honest. It was it was an okay sandwich. A uh, bit of cheese and piccalilli in there. It was pretty good. Um, and then dinner, we made a sort of ersatz vegetarian cottage pie. Oh, very nice. Mm. Right. Um, I, I, so, yeah. I'm going to go in reverse order because, like I said, my okay. breakfast, my meal of the week. So, yeah, go for, it. for our evening meal, I've just had a lovely bit of pork belly, stuffing, and veg. Mm. A little bit of mash. Yep. For lunch, I had a cheese and red onion sandwich. With Very nice. Dashings of mayonnaise. But I, 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 I'm going to send you a picture of my meal of the week. Okay. Because I think if I describe it, it doesn't do it justice. Let's have a butcher's. Wow. Okay. So, so let, let me talk you through the components one by one. Yeah, I mean, I, so, I, so I can what, try and guess them. I think I can see what we've got going on here. Okay. So, and you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong at the end of this, but to me, it looks like, Matt, for breakfast, you had a slice of black pudding, maybe? Yeah, Doreen's black mm-hmm. pudding. A couple of really chunky-looking sausages. Oh, yes. baked beans. Now, mm-hmm. I'm just going to interrupt and say those are homemade baked beans. Homemade baked beans. Well, get you. Um, and the whole, uh, certainly the, the beans and the sausages are housed within what looks to me very much like a Yorkshire pudding. Correct. Now, now beans, black yeah. pudding, sausages for breakfast. I, I get that. That's that's pretty much the rigueur for, for parts of a uh, full English. Yorkshire pudding for breakfast. That's a new one to me. Now, it's a new one to me. I, I hope you'll notice that that, like, marble tabletop is not in my home. <laughs> my wife and I. Yeah. There's a, there's a lovely new little cafe opened in the little town where we mm. live. And we've been desperate to try yeah. it. And when we got in this morning, like I say, we got in for brunch. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to have the breakfast. Mm-hmm. And as I said it, the waitress said, oh, so one, one Yorkshire pudding breakfast. And I was like... Excuse me. <laughs> but do you know what? It works. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like when you've had your breakfast and you always put the toast on the bottom, don't mm-hmm. you? You pile everything on your toast. And then you have that beautiful breakfast sponge that soaks up a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. You mop your plate mm-hmm. up with it. Yeah, just... And i tell you what, those homemade baked beans... I don't think I'll be drinking Heinz for Christmas this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, it looks good. It looks good. I can't deny it. And and whilst I would never have thought to put Yorkshire pudding on a breakfast plate, it is a hop and a skip away from a pancake. So, Well, that that's it. One of the other options was you could have a Yorkshire pudding with, like, bacon and maple mm. syrup, which, if I was having pancakes, would be my, like, go-to. But you could get them with like a nice uh, blueberry compote mm. or something like that. Yeah. So an unconventional breakfast, but it worked. Yeah. Uh, it, I can certainly see why it went straight in as your meal of the week. 
So I haven't told you about my meal of the week, have I, Matt? Not yet. Um, so there's a little bit of a preamble to, to my meal of the week because it's very much contextual. Uh, cast your mind back to Thursday. Do you remember how horrifically humid it was on Thursday? Yeah. It yeah. was... David, I've been back at work this yeah. week. Um, I think I've lost about half a stone. <laughs> well, the the office where I work, it's in, it's in quite a ramshackle old building that was not designed to be, you know, used as offices, uh, but was converted um, some you know many many moons ago I, i'm pretty sure they've removed all the asbestos from the building before i started working there but you never know um and it has these like enormous windows that are west facing so in the afternoons that office just turns into a greenhouse so you know i was sat there absolutely just broiling um fortunately there was nobody else present it was just me in that building otherwise i would feel very sorry for anyone else who who might have been there um and on top of that it was my last day in that job my last day in the nhs um now did did you follow my advice mm. of Walking backwards out the room, flipping everyone off with your middle finger. Well, I would have been doing that to an empty room, so it, it f- would have felt fairly redundant. I, I just sent some nice emails, to be honest, Matt. Because <laughs> they're all lovely people who work far too hard for far too few pounds. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a very surreal thing for my last day of work to be basically... A day where none of my colleagues were present because they were all up in Middlesbrough at a conference. <laughs> um, and I was just sort of sat there, yeah, just sweating buckets in this horrible, humid day. Um, and once that was done and dusted, I walked over to my mum's and uh, sort of, yeah, just wanted to have a chat um it was also my grandma's birthday so dropped off a birthday card and a little present for her um happy birthday grandma yeah. i know she listens yeah. oh she's an avid listener <laughs> she's been here since day one um and uh yeah changed out of my horrible sweaty work clothes helped myself uh to a glass of chilled water from my mum's fridge if your meal of the week is a glass of cold water, that is the least inspiring meal of the week I think we've ever had. I'm afraid it is, Matt. That's it. A, gl- a glass of water. Like I say, it's all about the context. That 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 water was a taste of pure cold freedom. So I I've put forward my fucking. Oh well, I shouldn't swear. I'll edit that out. Right. <laughs> My mad scientist of a breakfast. Yeah. This Frankenstein's monster of a meal. Mm-hmm. And you're coming back at me with a tepid glass of water. It wasn't tepid. It was properly chilled. Oh, my word. My mum's got one of those water filter jugs. Oh, she's got a Brita. Uh, I don't know whether it's a, it's a brand name Brita, but it's certainly of that ilk. Oh. So it was a very nice glass of water. Now... 
Very refreshing. May I just go off on a tangent? Because yes, as well as my meal of the week, can I give an honourable mention? <laughs> uh, go on then. Because David, I just want to take a moment to to talk to you about Nopper's nut bars. <laughs> oh yes, I wondered whether we we're going to follow up on this. Yeah, because this is you know when you listen to a podcast and then halfway mm-hmm. through. The tone of their voice changes because they've mm-hmm. they've put in an advert and pretended they yes. haven't. Yes. So, uh, I, I I think we should do that, David. Great. Yeah. You're all in, are you now? Have you tried them? Yeah. So I, I was actually watching Doctor Who the other day, mm-hmm. and uh, I I think I was rewatching Rose, mm-hmm. uh, season one, episode one, and I thought, David. Wouldn't that be a great time for a Nopper's Nut Bar? <laughs> Nopper, the nuttiest of nut bars. <laughs> so we'll just start doing bended yeah. ads and no one will notice. I'll never know. I mean, it'd be yeah. great if we actually got paid to do them, but, you know. Yeah. You, it's it, fake, fake it till you make it. That's what they say, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I, I can't complain, David, because I'm just laid here on my Casper mattress. <laughs> uh, just, you know... Totally relaxing. Mm-hmm. Are we the only podcast that doesn't advertise Casper mattresses? I think we must be at this point. Mm. I I mean I'm still I'm just waiting for that email. Yeah. But in all honesty, Matt, did you try one? And what did you? David, I can it? confirm. I've gone nuts for Nopper's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> These I'm are just some of the slogans I've got sketched down here. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to get a straight answer. We might as well move on. Um, David. I have squirrelled away my noppers nut bars. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I I can confirm in all seriousness, David. Yeah. I I have had a noppers nut bar, and I, I I'm going to throw the ball back to you because mm-hmm. I had a nuttier nut bar this week, and nuttier than a uh, than a noppers. Nuttier than a noppers. Mm. Is it that Reese's bar you can get that's got peanut butter and whole peanuts in it? Well, I I think you're talking about a Reese's Nutrageous. That's the one, yeah. That's well, a pretty nutty chocolate bar. Because I've started working at my new school this week, and it's at the other end of town, Yeah, I can't just go to the big Tesco's. I've had to go to a little co-op at the garage. Oh, slumming it in the little co-op. David, it's absolutely abhorrent in that co-op. <laughs> I went over the road first thing on the morning and thought, oh, I'll get myself like a pastry or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, But no. So there is a Nutrageous bar. But then I had this other alternate Reese's bar. Oh, right. And I, I can't recall its name. But, oh, it was nutty. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nuttier than a nut bar. Yeah, but because yeah. we're we're contractually obliged by Nopper's nuts, <laughs> um, I'm going to say Nopper's nuts, the nuttiest nuts around. Yeah, they're good. Um, they, they are. They're they're a, they're I mean, a it's maelstrom a, of textures. Yeah, I'll say it's, that it's, much. it's a busy, it's a busy confection for sure. Mm. Yeah, um, but I do enjoy them. Anyway, um, let's move on, Matt. Uh, tell me, what, what have you been watching this week? What's your TV highlight? Uh, my TV highlight? It's a show that's been on for a few weeks now. Mm-hmm. Season three just started. Yeah. 
I'm going to put forward Mortimer and White House go fishing. Oh, right, yeah. I've not watched any of it. So, Which, I, it, I mean, I'm a big fan of both of those guys, but I hate fishing. So that's well, been my, the sort of tension. Yeah, there. like, I'm, I'm not a big, you know, fishing fan. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's just the most relaxing thing on TV. Mm. So it's just two old friends talking about life. And, you know... Every so often they do a bit of fishing. Yeah. They never eat the fish. They always put them back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there'll be, like, some nice, really smooth, like, folk music playing in the background. <laughs> and it shows you some nice shots of the British countryside. And it's perfect before bed television. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. I, re- I, sh- I should probably check it out one of these days. Yeah. I, I think if you watch one episode you'll know pretty straight away whether it's for you or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine I'll be beguiled, purely because, as I say, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of both Bob Mortimer and uh, Paul Whitehouse, you know. Both well, in, very in, funny guys. Yeah, in the same way as he does on Would I Lie to You, Bob Mortimer just tells these beguiling stories <laughs> about his life. Yeah, and, and and they and they all exist in that realm of like that can't possibly be true, but yeah. but the way he tells it makes you feel like it doesn't seem like he's entirely making that up. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's yeah, a real just, gift he's got there. Just um, entirely the most laid back show on TV. Excellent. Uh, I, uh, I don't. I haven't really watched a lot of telly this week because I've mm. been back at work. Well, I, I have, Matt. Should I, tell you, should I tell you what I've been watching? Go on. Um, I had been hoping to properly catch up on my Marvel. Uh, I'd been wanting to, you know, do, do Loki, catch up on What If. Um, and I, I guess, I don't think Black Widow's quite dropped yet. But um, anyway, that was kind of vaguely what I, what I was sort of planning on. Um, but then my partner got addicted to this current series of Celebrity MasterChef. Uh-huh. So this week, Matt, I have watched nothing <laughs> but Celebrity MasterChef. Oh, wow. So by Back default. to back. Yeah. And that, and, and that is entirely the reason why my partner decided she was going to just bang out a holidays this morning. <laughs> oh, wow. She's got the inspiration. Yeah, yeah. It happens to both of us, to be fair. We both start to get slightly more ambitious with our cooking when we when we end up getting sucked into a series of MasterChef. We don't do every single one, but every so often we'll just get sort of like caught up in one. And once you start watching it, you have to kind of see it through. I'm excited because it's nearly time for Bake Off to come back as well. And that that's just that period of the year where every Friday I'll turn up at work with a random cake <laughs> that I've tried baking. Confession time, Matt. I have never seen probably more than two consecutive minutes of Bake Off. Do, do you ever feel you've wasted your life, David? <laughs> no, because I've watched a lot of Doctor Who. I know, but, you know... I just don't see what all the fuss is about. I mean, 
it's just cakes. It's, it's, again, it's just lovely, wholesome TV. I could watch that with me now, and I could watch that with my niece. You know, the whole family get together and just watch, you know, baking. Yeah, but why do that when you could watch a watch a show about a space wizard with a magic box? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, next time my family come round, I'll stick Brain of Morbius on again. <laughs> yeah! Classic family TV. That's a way to get written out my dad's will. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it's your turn to do what I like to hear, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. So, David, a special third birthday episode mm-hmm. 150 edition of Would I Lie To? I'm excited. I mean, it's going to be the same as all the rest. I just mm. feel I feel we're not celebrating as much as we should be. I feel we've done an ample celebration. Like, did, you... did I not mention my slightly larger than average cup of decaf tea? I, I appreciate your little boys in bed, but can you mm. just let out a little woo-hoo to show your excitement? Woohoo! My, my voice cracked during that. That probably right. wasn't very convincing. It's all right. There's a point in every young man's life when you know <laughs> they start to grow hair in places they didn't have hair before, David. <laughs> right. This week, David, as mentioned, I have returned to work. Congratulations. I've hated every single minute of it. It's been nothing but a chore. Mm-hmm. However, the one thing I've enjoyed at work this week was I managed to entirely derail one of my department's meetings Mm -hmm. by entering the room a couple of minutes late, singing under my breath to myself, and eventually the whole department joined in. (laughs) So I ended up leading my department in chorus. Okay. I'm going to give you three songs, David. I want you to see if you can choose the correct one. I'm ready for this. Song number one. Oh, What a Night by Frankie Valli. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that song, David? The The title sounds familiar, but I don't recognise the name of the artist. Oh, I don't What think a I... Night. Oh, yeah, yeah, Late yeah. Late December, that. back in... Se- that one. Yeah. Okay. yeah, 80s, isn't it? Uh, possibly earlier. Maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. It, it's been covered and re-released a number of times. Mm. Song two. The Only Fools and Horses theme song. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Or option number three. <clears throat> the theme tune to the children's animated show. Hopefully you've seen this, David. Mm-hmm. Arthur. Oh, I've seen it, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And everyone's joining in. Yeah, I walked in, kind of, you know, rustling my papers, put my book down on the desk, Mm -hmm. and under my breath I was kind of going, and, you know, then one person joined in, and eventually, as a department, we had a little sing-song. Okay. Right. I am immediately eliminating option three. I don't think it's Arthur, because... Children's TV, it's such a generational thing. You know you know the theme tunes of the, the TV you grew up with and that that your children grew up with, if you've mm-hmm. got children. And, you know, the, I, I imagine your, your department has a reasonable span of generations. Most 
the school departments do. You know, you've got you've got your your old guard that have been there for donkeys years, and you've got your fresh faced newcomers who who only passed their PGCE a couple of years ago, and what have you. And the idea of all of them getting on board with singing the theme tune to Arthur, I can't see it. So do, do you not gone. think Arthur's like a multi-generation show, though? It, it's, you know... It ran for it, a goodly while. And it's that sort of polite, inoffensive show. Yeah, but it, I'm not saying... It, 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 it certainly, it's one of those ones that had an impact and ran for a while, but I don't think absolutely everyone in your department would be familiar enough to join in. So that's why I'm eliminating that one. Um... The pop song you mentioned, Oh, What a Night. Yep. The fact that even I can sort of recognise it and could probably have started singing along to it. it that, it's one of those. If, if you're a DJ, you play that. That gets people yeah, on the dance yeah, floor. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's it's one of those ones that, that you can't go through life without having... You, you hear those opening to tones. Do, yeah. do, 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 mm. do, do. Yeah. That's people on the dance floor, mate. Um, <clears throat> but I think I'm going to go with Only Fools and Horses. You think? To be clear, it's the opening theme, Only Fools and Horses, not the yeah. closing theme, Hooky Street. Yeah, no, I, I assumed it was the opening theme. Yeah. But, you know, because that is a, a proper... pony in my pocket. I fetch the suitcase from the van. That's the one we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I think it's that one. That's what I'm going with. You, you, you're going with final answer, only fools and horses. Final answer, only fools and horses. Well, David, every day when you're walking down the street, everybody that you meet has an original point of view. And I say, hey, what a wonderful kind of day. Where you can learn to work and play and get along with each other. Kicking myself, Matt. You gotta listen to your heart, listen <laughs> to the beat, listen to the rhythm, the rhythm of the street. Open up your eyes, open up your ears, get together and make things better by working together. <laughs> All right. It's a simple message, and it comes from the heart. David, yes, we learn to get along with each other. Well, indeed. If you didn't realise by now, it was the Arthur theme song. I, I did realise, yeah. I'm kicking uh, kick myself. I wonder if I can get like a karaoke version of that just to mm. bed underneath me singing it. Who knows, Matt? Who do, you knows? Know, do you know who sings the Arthur theme song, David? I don't know. Ziggy Marley, son of Bob Marley. Wow. That is some good trivia that I did not know. I'm just thinking, Matt. Yep. Do you think it would be beneficial to for you to just have a little sing-song to yourself ten minutes before we hit record? On an no, episode? no, no. You it's... seem to be singing more with each passing week at the moment. Yeah, it's because I don't talk about robot wars anymore. Like, <laughs> I need something to fill that space in my brain. What about Doctor Who? Just a suggestion. Nah, nah. Right, can right. I talk about Doctor Who, though? Yes, please.
It's literally the only reason I'm here. Right. So, this week... Yeah. In case you didn't know, David, it's our third birthday. It's it episode is. 100. Yeah. And we kind of forgot about that until we were recording last week. Yeah. So, again, I put out a last-minute email, you know, oh, to the you? regulars asking oh. for anything they want us to talk about. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one of the responses we got was from Ariel, who's been in touch a few times. Hi, Ariel. Hey, I've got you well-trained. It only took me 150 episodes. <laughs> um, and one, one of the things Ariel suggested was to go back and listen to... The very first episode we ever recorded. Oh no, that would be painful. Ha- right. Well, I both did and did not do that. Okay. Because I listened to about the first five minutes, mm-hmm. and then I had to press stop and have a big think. <laughs> okay. What was your think? Right. So, episode one opens. With, you know, hello, I'm David, welcome to the podcast, and yeah. I'm joined by Matt, and we have a little chat, and then... Can one I other just thing... say, do you, do you know that you, that you basically do a bad David Mitchell impression, when you do an impression of me? Is that really what I sound like? No, it's just my, like, it's just my voice that I sometimes do when I'm pretending to be other people, it's not just an impression of you. Oh, okay. Like... You know, if I'm telling my wife a story, I'm like, yeah, I went to my mum's house and she was like, where have you been? You never come round here anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very convincing. Um, Yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, And one of the first things you say is, oh, Matt, see, I'll do a different voice if you're worried you've got a complex. (laughs) One of the the first things you said was, oh, Matt, uh, you you don't talk about Doctor Who. You've not been watching Doctor Who, have you? And one of the first things I ever say on our podcast mm-hmm. is that I have no relationship with Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. So going back to when you asked me a couple of episodes, if I was a fan of Doctor Who, that's going to be my answer from now on. Doctor Who is a show I have a relationship with. <laughs> In Facebook terms, the status is, it's complicated. Yeah, I, I had to have a big long think because I was like, "Do I have a relationship with that show now?" And I think I do. I think you can't podcast for a hundred and fifty episodes about any topic and and claim to have no relationship with that topic. Yeah, but at the same time, like th- this is this is going to really skew your view of me, David. mm Hmm. Today I sat down, I had a couple of free hours before we recorded, my wife was out riding her horse. Yes. I've got Netflix, I've got Disney+, Plus. I've got Amazon Prime, I could have watched anything Mm -hmm. on, you know, any of those channels, I could have just watched normal terrestrial TV. Do you want to know what I watched? Go on. I watched a 30 minute YouTube video explaining the difference between brittle and ductile failure in concrete. <laughs> and to be clear, this wasn't this wasn't for work. No. I just thought, well, that's something I don't really know about. Every day's a school day. <laughs> so I watched a 30-minute video where someone was explaining how 
you've got to put metal rebars in your concrete. Otherwise, you know, concrete is strong under mm -hmm. compression, David, but it is weak in tension. Well, then. Um, yeah, So, yeah, sure. could have watched Doctor Who. Chose not to. Watch yeah. that instead. Yeah. You'd, you'd get yourself a Brett Box subscription, Matt. Get on the classic Doctor Who. Uh, no, no. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> like, I haven't got a witty comeback to that. Just a no. Just, no. <laughs> no. No, that won't happen, David. Uh, anyway. Uh, um, we, we did get another email. Yeah, go on, go on. And this is a contentious one, David. All right. Okay, because I think you might be in hot water here. Ooh, crikey. For your decision to attribute a song based around bodily excretions to one of our listeners. Because um, I'll tell you what, Jessica Wummel has been in touch and she is not happy. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, uh, apparently that wasn't as funny as we thought it was. So do you mm. want to apologise? Um. Can, can can I just be clear, Matt? If you go back and listen listen to that episode, who was the one who suggested that we use that song in the first place? Now I've gone back and checked, yeah. David. Yeah. And and that little bit opens with me saying, David, I need your opinion on something. Yes. And then you say, well, just stick it in, see what happens. That's the nature of our podcast. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm pleading diminished responsibility due to some sort of undiagnosed mental issue I quite clearly have. <laughs> All right, what does Jessica say? Uh, well, she was pretty angry, so then I sent a reply pretending mm -hmm. I was you. Yeah. Uh, saying it was all your fault. Mm -hmm. And then she just shouted at me again, but this time about identity theft. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Maybe just caught her at a bad moment. Yeah, possibly. Um, well, anyway. Well, she, she did send a nice long email I'm going to read about when we get to the Chibnall era. Mm. Well, shall we do that right now? I feel like we've prevaricated enough. And I'm going to be honest, Matt, I am desperate to know what you made of uh, the woman who uh, fell to earth. Right. What do you want to do first? Big long email or tweets? Mm. Let's have some tweets. Let's have some tweets. Are you? I can't believe how rude you've been to Jessica Wummel after I've said I'm going to read it out. Like, uh, no, I'm saving the best till last. Get, get, uh, you've, saved, you've saved your bacon there. You've pulled <laughs> it round. Right, hold on. Let me get these tweets up. It's also a year since uh, we recorded episode 100, David. I guess it is. Yeah. So this is the best day ever. Do you know what I'm doing tomorrow, David? Tomorrow is going to be the best day ever. What's what are you doing tomorrow? I'm going to Nottingham. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, is that it? Uh, well, no, I'm going to Warhammer World. Mm -hmm. So I will miss D and D with you tomorrow. I'm going to Games Workshop HQ. I'm going on a quest, basically, to buy the rarest Warhammer model I can find. Fair enough. Yeah. Watch that man in Nottingham. Say again. I watched that man in Nottingham. Did you? Yeah, it was. Um, it's one of the one of the, the 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 most spontaneous things I've ever done. But basically, I was struggling at the time, 
I, I'm trying to think. When did it come out? I think it might have been before I knew you. And basically, I I didn't have anyone to go and see Ant-Man with. My partner wasn't interested. Um, I think I'd fairly recently moved up to North Yorkshire. And hadn't uh, really so sort of... I, I would have known you for two years. Mm. So maybe not, not, not well enough to have suggested yeah. it. Um, yeah, but anyway, we'd only hung out every other weekend yeah, for two years. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Not well yeah. enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway... Um, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine from uni who'd um, uh, who, who was massively into the MCU and who I hadn't hung out with for ages because, you know, she lived in London and I lived in North Yorkshire. And I, I basically said, said to her, hey, do you want to just sort of like meet roughly in the middle? Um, it will cost us a lot of money in train fares and it will be a very long day just to go and see one film. But we could technically do it. And so that's what we did. The next day we both got on trains. She got on a train from London. I got a train from uh, uh, North Yorkshire and we met, met in Nottingham to watch Ant-Man in the cinema. Now, Ant-Man 2, David, came out in 2018. You didn't ask me to yeah. go watch that with you either. No, I didn't. Just just no. went on my own, to be honest. Okay, okay. Never mind. I'm not going to be, get awkward because it's our big birthday special. Yeah, I, I, but you can you can edit that story out if you like. Oh, <laughs> no. you like a I, bad friend. You know, it's fine. I'm it's just fine. a very awkward man, Matt. Well, I'll tell you what will redeem yourselves in yeah. the eyes of both me and the listener. Okie doke. That'd be if you said hello to Amy. Hello, Amy. And Amy says it wasn't too bad of a start. In mm-hmm. terms of the woman to work, who fell to earth, yeah, I would probably place it third for Doctor introdu- introduction episodes, and that Grace was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think I think Grace praise is going to be a common theme. Yes. Yeah. If I was to predict anything. Now, the next message, David, comes from Jake from the Married to Who podcast. Do you want to say hello? Hello, Jake, and the Married to Who podcast crew. I need to catch up. I'm still. I, I've. I've kind of. Uh, not caught up on their. Twelfth uh, Doctor era stuff. Now that we're done and dusted, I need. To, I need to. Polish those ones off. Yeah, they're totally finished. Yeah, I know it's mad, isn't it? But they did put something out saying they have a plan, mm. and they're up to something. That's ominous, isn't it? Yeah, they might come to your house and burn all your podcast recording mm. equipment. I wouldn't like that. No. Jake says. <laughs> <laughs> just just to re-emphasise they are our friends not yeah. our mortal enemies yes indeed yeah everyone knows our mortal enemies are those jerks at Radio Free Scarra right they say sorry Jake says this is my favourite episode of series 11 it looks great and made me want to visit Sheffield guess what David mm-hmm. on my way to Nottingham tomorrow I'm stopping in Sheffield to pick up Dr Tim Riley oh very nice yeah He says, I've never had a problem immediately accepting a new actor as the Doctor and Jodie is no different. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, we then have a message from the Doctor Who show. Say hello, David. Hello. I've actually been really enjoying their feed recently. I wasn't aware of them uh, um, until they started tweeting at us. And, uh, yeah, they've got some good, interesting, different, like, features and little shows within shows, if you like, on their feed. So it's worth checking out. Can I ask you a question? Yes. What the hell do you think you're doing? I'm just... Bloody, 
married to who have been supporting us for years, yeah. and you're like, um, I fell off the fell off with them and not really listened. No, no. Get to the next one, you're like, oh, it's amazing, right? I, I don't know. That's not what I'm saying. I'm twisting my words, Matt. Right. I, I just want to say that I love all the podcasts. Yes. Except what? you, Radio Free Scarrow, you pack of jerks. <laughs> right. The Doctor Who show says, Strange sort of story. Dud villain kills off the most interesting support actor. People behave in very unnatural ways. Introduces stuff that's irrelevant and or will never be a thing again. Ends with a good cliffhanger, though, albeit one that has nothing to do with the episode. In short, it's kind of extraordinary that Chris Chibnall could be dreaming of writing Doctor Who for real all his life. He finally gets his moment. He gets to cast his own Doctor. He steps up to the keyboard and makes this. <laughs> it's pretty underwhelming stuff. Mm. So that's our first mostly negative. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say, Matt, Expect over the course of the Chimney era a much more diverse range of opinion on most episodes, I think. I'll just put it that way. Right. Um, What I'm going to do, David, is because we've got a couple of long tweets to go through, is I'm going to read one, then read the short ones, then read the other long one. Okay. Who do you want first, James Courtney or BT Flibbity Giggard? Let's go with BT Flippity Giggit. Why not? Okay. So, the curator, BT Flippity Giggit, says, Pretty much instantly, Chibnall establishes a completely different tone in production for Doctor Who. If the RTD era was a sci-fi soap opera and the Moffat era was a low-budget blockbuster, the Chibnall era is definitely trying to be modern prestige TV in the vein of Netflix or HBO. Mm -hmm. I'm still not sure if I like it, Yes, it's pretty polished, but it was, but it feels a bit more generic. That being said, re-watching this episode, let me look past that and appreciate the story a bit more. Chibnall is obviously taking his cues from the Christmas invasion. The Doctor takes a while to actually show up, and when she does, it's a bit out of commission for a good chunk more. This allows Chibnall to establish the other characters with mixed results. Grace and Graham are great, practically forming a double act with Grace embracing the adventure, while Graham is more sceptical and wary. Ryan and Yaz, on the other hand, don't shine as much. Yaz in particular is painfully stereotypical as an overeager rookie cop. She literally has the same conflict Judy Hopps from Zootopia, a literal cartoon Disney character, and she doesn't get much characterisation beyond that. Sim Shaw works for me, though I know not everyone agrees. It's a creepy design and his motivation hints at a larger story that could easily get expanded on. Not to mention that, sorry, not to mention that, as a regeneration episode, plot is going to take the back seat. Speaking of the Doctor, let's talk about 13. When it comes to regeneration episodes, there's usually a moment where the Doctor just clicks for me, where I stop being sceptical and embrace that. Sorry, embrace that this is the way the show's going to be. Nine had run. Ten had the big red threatening button bit. Twelve had the part where he mourned the burning T-Rex. For thirteen, it's definitely that scene where she makes her own sonic screwdriver. I love the idea of a sort of mad scientist invent a doctor, and Whitaker's facial expressions just sold it for me. The speech at the end about change is amazing on paper, but I feel like the editing lets it down somewhat. 
it just feels like there's a little much, sorry, a little too much dead space around certain cuts, and it really undercuts what should have been a great moment. Uh, Grace dying is probably my least favourite thing about this episode. She was easily the best characterised and was the one who was most excited and engaged with the Doctor's sci-fi nonsense. She was clearly the most suited to be a companion and it's absolute, and I'm not going to read swearing out, that the most interesting and fun of them dies. Honestly, take out Yaz or Ryan from the episode and have the three-person TARDIS team with an older married couple and a younger grandchild figure. It's almost like the original Hartness TARDIS team again. Sorry, Hartnell TARDIS team again. Okay. I'm, I'm still met on 13's outfit. It's too costumey to me and would be better without the coat. I still hate, hate, hate the fan thing. It's already, already horrendously dated. That being said, I enjoyed this episode far more on a rewatch than I did originally, but there is certainly better episodes to come in season 11. Thank you, as always, BT. Yeah, um, lots of interesting thoughts there, um, some of which I'm sure we'll touch on in more detail when we get into the episode. Did anyone else write in, Matt? Yeah. Do you want to say hello to Frank? Hello, Frank. Frank says, Jodie Whittaker literally falls into the role and it's a really fun story. Letting the Doctor shine through a typical romp is a very effective way of showing her characterisation. The villain's got a memorable design, but otherwise could be replaced by anything, really. Mm-hmm. The next one comes from Ariel again, who says... Hi, I don't... Sorry, you should... I should have given you time to say hello it's there, David. Do you want to do that again? Hello, Ariel. There we go, perfect. Okay, Ariel says, I don't love this episode. Tim Shaw is such a boring villain, but I remember being quite excited by what was set up going forward. It definitely has a very different feel than either earlier era of Doctor Who, which I found jarring. But the performances are good all round. Excellent, yeah. And um, anyone else? Okay. Do I need to bring back Cool Tweet Bro? What's next? I, I don't know. You see my dilemma, Matt. I can't, like, I don't want to get to expound too much on them. Well, this is a new era of Doctor Who. Maybe you need a new catchphrase. Uh, can, you, can you, we'll take a queen, clean break and okay. can you say, can we hurry this along? I'm bored. <laughs> what about if I just... I mean, obviously, because it's an audio podcast, I can't just do a thumbs up. And in my head, I'm just doing a thumbs up. So what if I just say, thumbs up? Okay. There we go. I'll be able to cut that. <laughs> right. Next is James Swift, who says, I really like Jodie. Sorry, David, do you want to say hello to James Swift? Hello, James Swift. He says, I really like it. Jodie is instantly the Doctor the second she is on screen. I adore Graham and Grace. It's a strong start for a new era. Thumbs up. Excellent. And then we can get that printed on T-shirts and make a million pounds, David. <laughs> right. Here we go. It's time, David. It's James Courtney. Hi, James. Okay. First of all, he sends a big tweet saying, oh, I'm sorry I'm late with my thing. Okay. And he asks a couple of questions I'm going to save till the end. Mm -hmm. I might just ask him now because I'll probably forget. Other than this, David, have you seen Jodie Whittaker in anything else? I don't think I have, because I, um, the one thing that I really do need to see her in is Attack the Block. Okay. Um, I've, I've been, it's, that's been on my to-do list for way too long. Um, really need to watch that. 
And I guess I'll get round to Broadchurch one day, but I haven't yet. So, no, she was she was new to me coming into yeah. this. I've seen Attack the Block, but, like, I, I can't really remember. I don't think it. she was, like, the, she wasn't, like, the focus of it or anything, was she? No. She was just part of the, the main cast. And have you seen any of Chris Chibnall's other work before? Outside of Doctor Who, the main thing I've probably seen in his writing in is um, Life on Mars, mm-hmm. which I'm a big fan of. Not that he was the creator of that, but he did contribute several episodes to it. I was going to say, wasn't David Bowie the creator of that? <laughs> also, David, I, I don't know if you're aware, but um, because this is our anniversary episode, I didn't have any pictures of us together celebrating so mm-hmm. I have been putting up a lot of pictures of David Bowie and Iggy Poppy in birthday cake together. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I just thought, who, who who represents us? And you are very much the David Bowie to my Iggy Pop, I feel. Oh, I, I will definitely take that. <laughs> <laughs> like, one renowned as a creative genius, the other an utter madman. <laughs> That'll, that that works for me, um, right? Um, shall we so get to James's? T- yeah. What did he make of the episode? Okay, he says, as you will no doubt soon discovered from the Married to Who podcast, this era isn't my favourite. I'll always try to say something positive, though. I rewatched this today, and it was probably the most I enjoyed the episode. Perhaps now, as I know, we won't have this forever. The opening few minutes are particularly gorgeous. We get to meet some get to enjoy some lush greens as we meet Ryan, Graham and Grace. I had forgotten how well this episode sets up the characters. Yaz is awesome as an assertive police officer. So that goes against what BT Flippity Giggard says. Mm-hmm. Do you think we could set James and BT up to have a fight? Ah, uh, let's not. The... Okay. <laughs> Doctor Who fandom needs no encouragement, <laughs> to be... encouragement to start bickering with one another. So Right. Yeah. Uh, James also says it's harder to judge Jodie's performance as she had to do the regeneration sickness shtick. After that fantastic opening, we then spend the majority of the episode at night. That fits with the tonal shift that this episode gives. This story is drier and far more humourless than we have been used to before. Deep Breath may have been a darker story, but it also did have more wit. It also didn't help that the marketing for this series lent into a more happy, colourful Guardians of the Galaxy vibe, and he's posted one of the posters to mm. prove that. Yeah. I also found that most of the music in this episode didn't help me enjoy the tone as much. There was a lot of generic ambient music. The only bit I like is the Doctor's theme, which I didn't notice on the first watch. Tim Shaw is an okay villain... He is the typical opening episode baddie. Very generic, but not getting in the way of introducing all the characters. Mm-hmm. The big disappointment was that the production design didn't real fit, really feel particularly joined up with him. We we first get this very square orange glowing floating button, which brings a very different and much more organic feeling pod. Tim Shaw himself is clad in metallic and plasticky armour. It also turns out that there were some crystals in the pod. As I said earlier, overall, I did enjoy this episode, but for me, it just locked, lacked that Doctor Who-y feeling. It felt much more generic and procedural. At the end of the episode, Bradley Walsh gets to do some brilliantly understated acting. The episode sets up the companions to have some interesting character development throughout their series. But first, we have to resolve that jaw-dropping cliffhanger. 
Also, congratulations on 150 episode and three years. And then he's put the three more years chant. <laughs> we do this for three more years, David. I'll be nearly 40. Oh, God, don't, don't. <laughs> doesn't bear thinking about. So, David, should we talk about the woman who fell to earth? I think we should. Let's do it. What are your thoughts on this episode? Oh, you want to go to me before you? Okay, uh, all right. I, I mean, I just want to know what your thoughts are, but it, but it's fine. Um, okay. This is the first one in a while where I really struggle on that border between good episodes, some bad bits, or bad episodes, some good bits. Mm-hmm. You can always go meh. Always... You can always say no emotional attachment. Well, no, because it's not. I definitely, it, it makes me feel stuff. It's, you know, it's a new doctor. And that's a lot, you know. Um, the bits that I like, I really like. The bits that I don't like are just... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, it, and it's almost 50-50 for me in terms of that. So, I think, okay, okay, here's... Eight, no, 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 I've got it, I've got it. Good episode some significantly bad bits okay that's what i'm gonna say i i I think ultimately it succeeds in its purpose of introducing us to a new tardis team a new doctor a new tone for the show i think it does all of that but it doesn't do it you can feel the gears grinding at times that's kind of where I where I am at with it. What did you make of it, Matt? I'm probably going to be more on the bad episodes, some good bits. Okay. But at the same time, the only really good bit I can point out is the bit that we've already mentioned of building the sonic screwdriver, mm. which isn't really anything. It was it's... just the bit I quite liked. It's my favourite, and we, we will talk about it in more detail, because I think I have some theories as to why it is as effective as it is and why it jumps out to everyone. Now, um, one other thing yeah. I wanted to add, and this isn't necessarily a good bit, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to read a bit of an email that sort of supports the point I'm trying to make and probably does it in a better way. Okay. I'm so glad that we didn't get a weird bit where it was like, Oh, I'm a lady now. Hmm. Oh, Aren't I? God. Yes. Yeah. Um, where's the email? So, Jessica Wummel says, I did appreciate the doctor herself did not have any gross lines or uncouth jokes regarding her regeneration into a woman. Mm-hmm. Her only reaction to it was, does it suit me? And I think that was a great way to play it. And, yeah, I was so worried we were going to get some sort of weird gender point yeah. that was going to you know make me feel a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, no, it's it's just it it it's spot on and you've got to give credit credit to Chibnall for that, you know. This is a middle-aged bloke introducing the first female doctor and it could have gone very differently. Um but yeah, no, he he played it smart. He he didn't want he basically just wanted it to be as low-key as possible. It's just like, yeah, she's a woman now. Let's all just crack on, shall we? 
you know. Um, so great, very refreshing. And okay, before we get deep into it, first impressions of Whitaker as the Doctor. I like the kind of dorky, fun, excitement mood. Mm. You know, it's a big shift from Capaldi, certainly early Capaldi. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a giddiness to her, isn't there? More in the realm of say Matt Smith or or Tennant. Mm. Do you, Do you know what this reminded me of? Yeah, and, and I couldn't shake the thought mm-hmm. when I was watching this. This reminded me so much of the McGann movie. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Shall I tell you Just, what, what? No, go in, on. In, in its tone and the introduction of characters, mm. and you know, and then as the weeks progressed, it also made me think of that one episode of Torchwood we watched. <laughs> right, yeah, which uh, Chibnall had a big hand in. Yeah, if if there mm. was a baby of those two things, it would be this episode. Mm. I can see that. Shall I tell you what film it mo- it most it it made me think of the first time I watched it? And to be clear, it's a film I've not watched since I was a kid. So all I really have of it at this point are sense memories. I couldn't really, I couldn't tell you anything, any detail on the plot or. Or who any of the actors in it were or anything. But that's Flight of the Navigator. Yeah, I could see that. It's I think because it's all set at night. And it has this kind of spacious quality to it. Um, where, where it it's fantastical, but also kind of dour at the same time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's kind of the vibe I get from it. Like, like I say, not, not on any plot level really just just this kind of just feel um yeah so i i um i i wish i liked this just a little bit more than i do yeah that's it i rather than it being a bad episode i see Mm. it more as a missed opportunity yeah yeah um, but anyway, there is still a lot to discuss, so let's do it. Let's let's crack on and, and talk about uh, the episode in depth. Right, so this is The Woman Who Fell to Earth, written mm-hmm. by Chris Chibnall, directed by Jamie Childs. Mm-hmm. Episode 1 of Season 11, from the 7th of October 2018. Yeah. So it is the first episode we are reviewing that came out after we'd started our pod. Yes, indeed. So like, strange. Would, some sort of weird bootstrap paradox going to happen now. <laughs> okay, so we begin with a YouTube video about the greatest woman I ever met. Now, the first thing I want to say is I really, really appreciate that YouTube looks like YouTube. Yeah, we're not on... What is it? Searchnet or whatever yeah, we have. Searchwise.net. Searchwise.net. It, it, it feels like a genuine YouTube video that you could stumble across if you're one of the, what, like 19 people. That and that's the other thing. I love that it didn't have like a million views mm-hmm. because it was just some random kid in Sheffield's boring vlog. Uh, that it, it is just just a tiny fraction of views. Um, it just it feels yeah, it just feels like a genuine example of that. Uh, so 
Well done. Except for the fact that Ryan's got a very nice camera. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's shot in pretty uh, pretty high quality HD by the looks of it. Okay. He's 19. Mm-hmm. Looks about 33, but I'll mm-hmm. let them off. And he can't ride a bike. Yeah. Now, David, in all the years I've known you, I've never once seen you ride a bike. Can you indeed ride a bike? Uh, technically, but I've not ridden one for about 20 years at this point. No, maybe closer to 15 years, probably. Um, okay. ba- basically, just because of my eyesight. I don't right. feel safe on a bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And he says there's a reason he can't ride a bike. Yeah. Uh, We then see a flashback where he's with Grace, his nana, Mm -hmm. and her husband, Graham, played by Bradley Walsh. Yeah. Helping Ryan to ride his bike. It's good to see Bradders doing a bit of of acting. It is, yeah. I think we'll talk more about his performance later, but uh, you very quickly get over the slightly surreal thing of seeing a game show host as a companion. Like, he fits in very nicely. And I think like, you can you can tell that that because he is someone that that Chris Chibnall has written for before. Okay. Because he uh, Chris Chibnall was showrunner on uh, Law and Order UK. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Because for me, Bradley Walsh is kind of known for everything except acting. Mm. <laughs> you know, like he he had a number one album at Christmas. You know, he hosts light entertainment shows and yeah he's just he's just like your classic song and dance man kind of mm. british entertainer but but no he he is actually a genuine actor and you know he has done screen acting i i probably prior to this law and order uk was his biggest gig in as an as an acting role yeah. but um but yeah no he he's to be fair, it's not like... I wouldn't say the character of Graham is a stretch for him. Well, no, he's just because, playing himself. But he, but it is still a skill to, to deliver pre-written lines in a natural way. Yeah. And he absolutely it, does. You, you, like, you very quickly believe in Graham as a character, I feel It's like, like I, I, I watched a thing with... Who's the new companion, the companion? Uh, John Bishop... Yeah, and and there was a thing where he was saying he got like a slap on the wrist for revealing that the companion he's playing is mm. from Liverpool, <laughs> and and he was like in his deep Scouse accent. Yeah. He was like, well, where else was he going to be from? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's ridiculous. If it was John it? Bishop playing a Cockney or a Geordie, it just wouldn't work, would it? That's and that's you know what that's something we should we should address as well. A genuine gripe a lot of people have, and I totally sympathise with, is Chibnall is the opposite of a hype man. He is so obsessed with the idea of spoilers and not wanting people to have anything spoiled for them that the the mark the marketing of the Whitaker era has been uniformly underwhelming. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Because he won't let anything out, and that means the 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 poor marketing people have basically got nothing to promote. You know, th- there's Comic Con panels where the actors are sort of nervously just not really saying anything. Because, yeah. Because you know, and it's 
it's very, very different to the Moffat era, where Moffat was, for all his flaws, he was an excellent hype man for the show. Yeah, he you was could, a real advocate, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a character, a natural wit, and you, his his love for Doctor Who shines through in every interview. Um, and And he's excited to share what he's written with people. You get the feeling that Chibble is almost embarrassed to share... <laughs> It's, it's, a, it's, it's a very, very strange shift. Um, and I think it is one of the things that has kind of harmed this era in terms of public consciousness. People aren't excited for it because they've got no reason to be. Um, but anyway, I digress. Yeah, so Grace and Graham are helping Ryan learn to ride his bike, mm-hmm. except he hates it so much he throws it off a cliff. Yeah. And even... When he's done that, Graham is still super encouraging. So we get the feeling he's going to be the sort of heart of the team moving forward, isn't mm, he? Potentially. Uh, Ryan goes to retrieve his bike, and there's a yeah. big, weird, orange energy portal thing. Mm-hmm. He touches it, and he does. It, it fires off, and then we see a big blue thing. Like so, My notes are just nonsense. I'm like, there's this yeah. orange thing. And then we get a big blue thing. It's very odd, isn't it? Now, first question, would you touch that? Absolutely not. Yeah. I don't know what on earth is going through Ryan's head there to make him think. It's like it's crackling. It looks electric. Yeah, I'd be be ringing, sorry, the northern power grid to explain there was an electrical fault. Yeah. It's it's mad. But anyway, yeah. And then we get this this very interesting organic-looking pod thing turning up is, is that going to be the arc for this series every adventure starts with him touching things and meddling <laughs> because he touches the big blue thing as well yeah and it's only once he's done that he thinks to call the place mm. and it's, yeah when the call goes through to the place we see an officer settling a parking dispute mm-hmm. and it's Yaz who feels she's being held down by a boss, feels yeah. she could be doing more than these just menial parking disputes. Now, I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm not going to tell you how I feel about Yaz overall or anything. I don't want to spoil anything that's coming up. But this is, I think, one of the best companion introductions ever. I love this first scene with Yaz. Where it's... Because it's... Uh, you know, the direction it starts like framing just this hammer in a windscreen and sort of pans away from that to the two people arguing and Yaz stuck in the middle and the way she very very quickly and simply resolves it and just like you you pay for the damaged windscreen you pay for the scratch door and let's just both agree that parking here is a nightmare and move on it's just like I feel like that tells you a lot about her in a very short space of time and I love that kind of good economical writing um, so, yeah, I, I'm not going to say any more about Yes for now, but I, I like that as an opening scene. And obviously she's complaining that she doesn't get to do anything more interesting and, and then gets posted over to, um, to check out the weirdness in the, in the woods. Yeah. So she meets up with Ryan. It mm-hmm. turns out they went to school together. Yeah. But I, I, I like it about it's just primary school. So like it's, cons- you know, it makes sense that they don't immediately... It's not like they're super close, you know. They've yeah, had they're quite just, a lot of time. They just know of each other. Yeah. 
that feels very kind of believable to me and, and stuff. So it's nice, but you, nice that you've got that bit of a connection there. Right. So she also touches this big blue thing. And yeah, everyone's just cold. touching alien shit without yeah, a care just... in the world. Yeah, they're going to learn that lesson the hard way when the doctor yeah. catches them doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Graham is now on his way home with Ryan's nana Grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, their train crashes, and Grace is immediately shown to be quite bold, quite brave, mm-hmm. as she investigates. Yeah, they're locked in their carriage, and there's a big, bright flash of light that seemingly is approaching them. Mm-hmm. Okay, she tries to ring Ryan, but the cell reception breaks up. Mm-hmm. And the big flash in the train explodes into big, horrible tendrils. Yeah. It's really and creepy. Just when they think they can't escape, the Doctor falls through the roof. She does. And you just get... For, did you catch in the soundtrack for a, just a couple of bars of the theme in the background? Hmm. And that's all we get of the theme tune this week. I you notice when, that? When we get to it in my notes... Yeah. I was just like, I'm 20 minutes in. They're not going to do the theme song, are they? No. Like, I was just waiting, thinking this is the longest cold open ever. <laughs> yeah, just... no, it was just, we'd got a little tease instead. Um, mm. But I love that it's it's a good good first scene for a doctor. She smashes through a train, <laughs> dusts herself off, and it's immediately into, into action. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously how last episode ended, mm. it's a good way to jump in. If it, if we'd opened with the Doctor, I don't know, landing in a swimming pool again, mm-hmm. I'd have, you know, probably let out a big sigh. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something a little different, it worked for me, I would say. Yep. So, she electrocutes the tendrils... But she has no Sonic to help them escape. Yeah. So, when Ryan and Yaz eventually arrive, this big tendril monster zaps them all and leaves. Mm-hmm. It's at this point we realise, the Doctor, sorry, realises she's a woman, but has memory loss, has no recollection of who she is or what's going on. Yeah. Okay. Yaz kind of refuses to believe it's an alien. She seems like the logical, grounded one, you know, who's not going to jump to conclusions like aliens. Mm-hmm. So the Doctor begins leading an investigation. And I quite like, liked this bit because it showed how they were all contributing to reaching the conclusion. Yeah. You know, and how each of the individuals thinks. Yeah. I agree. It's it's a nice it's a nice little scene. It kind of sets up an interesting dynamic between them. Okay, so the Doctor has lost the TARDIS because we saw that blow up mm-hmm. when she was falling to Earth, and Graham is also sceptical about the presence of aliens. And then this is where we're introduced to. I think he specifically says he's not. You don't get aliens in Sheffield. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll report back next week once I've been. Yeah, yeah, do let us know. Quite a few of my friends went to uni in Sheffield, so I've been there quite a lot. Um, it's an alright city. Yeah. The only thing is, it's just too far away, so just go to Leeds or York instead. 
you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, we're introduced to the other bloke on the train who I thought was quite inconsequential. Turns out I was wrong, but we'll get to yes. that. Yeah. Um, I haven't even written his name. I've just put other bloke on train wants to yeah. go to work. Yeah. I mean, t- he's inconsequential, but also the most relatable out of anyone on that train yeah. in that moment. Because I, I'd be the same and just be like, I just... I just don't want to think about... I just, I'm just going, goodbye. You know, that I would not like, want to be getting if you witness something harrowing, by hijinks. And you're op- if you witness something harrowing and your options are either go home and try and get over it or join my little Scooby gang and we investigate what's going mm-hmm. on, I, I think I'd be siding with him there. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So the doctor asks if there's anything else weird going on. And they go to look at the blue thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out Ryan has dyspraxia. So that's the issue with him riding the bike. He has his coordination issues. Yep. And when they arrive, the blue thing has disappeared. And it's this point in my notes I've written, is there a title scene? <laughs> yep. Answer yeah. is no. No, no. it's not. Is that changed next week yeah it's just it's just because they wanted to do something a bit different for the openers so they so they basically just had literally the doctor crashes through the train you get the tight the team tune in the background for a couple of seconds and then just bang into the action it was a conscious choice for this episode right so the big blue eggy thing has been taken away in a van to a shady warehouse Mm -hmm. and this is why i think it reminded me a bit of torchwood because you know like this sort of back alley gangster isn't mm-hmm. very Doctor Who, is it? No, it feels very different, doesn't it? You wouldn't, Moffat wouldn't write a scene like this. Yeah, exactly. He wouldn't introduce Rahul, mm-hmm. who is absolutely loving the fact he's got his hands on this giant blue onion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. He sets up loads of cameras around it. Okay. And. Graham is a bus driver. He says, if you want to know anything, always ask a bus driver. They know anything and everyone. Mm-hmm. Grace is a nurse, so she says she can ask her friends. Excuse me, did a little windy pops there. And at this point, as they're putting together a plan, the doctor faints. Yeah. Okay. So whilst the doctor's recovering, we see everyone continue the investigation. Ryan talks to his bus driver friends. Ryan goes online to do some searching. And Yaz does police stuff, investigating. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're all just kind of, like, using their own resources to try and find out if they can find, just find any more clues, I guess, basically, really, at this point. Yeah. So we then see the giant blue onion thing open. Amongst fire and flames. Mm-hmm. And as it does, we cut back to the Doctor who's finally woken up and recovered, although not fully, and realises that they have DNA bombs Ooh, on their yes. collarbone. You know, that that again, that's the sort of thing where I just feel this episode's a bit clumsy. You, you know, in what way? You know... Th- for me, it would have been better if they just said, oh, we've been implanted with a bomb. 
Like, but instead they're like going, oh, it's a DNA bomb. It's this, that, and the other. And it's all inconsequential. Yeah. You know, they talk about it for ages and it means nothing. All that, all that really happens, it, ultimately, it does play into the resolution of, the, of the, the story. But the exact nature of the bomb and how it works is entirely, as you say, inconsequential. Mm. It's just this extra detail that is like, oh, it, it, it hacks your DNA and disintegrates you at a molecular level. I was like, okay, sure. I mean, yeah. a regular bomb would kill me just as effectively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What they need is someone in the background saying, cool bomb, bro, what's next? <laughs> to help move them along. Yeah. Okay, so the doctor uses Ryan's phone to disarm her bomb and turns his phone into a GPS. Yeah, I I love one of my favourite jokes in the whole thing is when she takes around the phone and, and reformats it and uh, uh, Ryan says, oh, not my phone, that's got all my stuff's on there. And uh, the doctor's just like, not anymore. Yeah. Um, again, I think that's like an early clue of what kind of doctor she's going to be. Yeah. Like techno prisoners, <laughs> you know. But do it with a big old grin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the blue thing houses a humanoid alien. Yeah. Rahul asks where his sister is and turns out she's been killed. Yes. And then he gets killed. Yeah. (laughs) Very unceremoniously. Mm -hmm. So the doctor and friends approach tendrils and the alien, the alien runs off. And they find what's left of Rahul. Mm-hmm. Turns out it froze the, him to death and took one of his teeth. Yeah. So, ultimately that doesn't mean anything either, but we'll get to that. Uh-huh. Uh, Ryan notices the blue thing is opened and tells them all that he was the one that touched the energy gate. But how did Rahul know it was there? So... In order to solve these questions, David, we build a sonic screwdriver. Yes. Okay, so this scene. It's lovely, isn't it, though? Like I would say it's as lovely as a delicious Nopper's nut bar. <laughs> Neither the time nor the space brought to you by Nopper's nut bars. <laughs> See, there we go. Just bedding our ads. Yeah. Um, so... First things first, the music. Sagan Akalona, we've not talked about his score yet so far. I think because whilst it's so, very sorry, diff- what was that name? You just made a noise there. <laughs> Sagan Akinola is his name. Right. He's he's the new composer. Right. Um so I, I was gonna mention, yeah, you know, that's one of the ways in which this is an even bigger break than it was between RTD and Moffat. because uh, at least with those eras you had Murray Gold as a mm. sort of bridging both eras. This, we don't even have, you know, we don't have the same directors, we don't have the same writers, we don't have the same um, composer. It just looks and feels and sounds so different. But uh, he, most of his score for this episode is a lot of moody tones. It's, it's percussions and uh, percussion and little bits of synth and, and stuff like that. It's quite understated. 
but it really swells in this beautiful, uplifting piece for, it, it, uh, in this mon- uh, montage of the Doctor making her sonic screwdriver. And again, you know, Jodie Whittaker looks like she's having an absolute ball, you know, faffing around with with welding uh, guns and, and... Well, that's it. It's the bit where she has the blowtorch and looks yeah. really sad, but then the next scene is her holding a giant blowtorch. <laughs> yeah. Um... You know, it, it's that kind of... I don't know where I've seen it, but that... It'll come to me. Like that kind of up and at them spirit. Yeah, definitely. I mean. And the fact that she has just decided, oh, I'll just make my own Sonic screwdriver. It's like, rather than just the, the TARDIS just spitting one out at her. Mm-hmm. She kind of just has to roll up her sleeves and get on with it. Um, I like that. And you know what? I like the design of this Sonic as well. What do you think about it? With, with the little orange crystal on the end and stuff. Looks a lot like a marital aid, doesn't it? Mm. It does a little bit, and it, that was mentioned at the time. You're not the first to have made that observation. Yeah. But I, when I, I didn't know if it was uncouth to raise that point. But... <laughs> no, it's 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 not nothing. Nobody hasn't heard already. But but ultimately, when you see when you see it in action, so to speak, uh-huh. uh, I think it I think it's a really good design. I I like it a lot more than Twelfth Doctor's uh, Sonic Screwdriver. I, I like um, that it's a bit more ergonomic. Yeah, yeah, and it looks, it looks a bit more alien as well. the The twelfth Doctor Sonic screwdriver really just looks like a toy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it is my favourite scene of this episode by some considerable margin. I I, I just. And you know, one that I will just like pull up on YouTube and watch in isolation. Sometimes it's that. It just I love the way it makes me feel. Just seeing the Doctor just rolling up her sleeves, making her own sonic screwdriver, and just paired beautifully with Akinola's score there. But anyway, let's move on to the rest of the right. episode. Now, my next note says we are halfway through the episode. We are not getting a title sequence, are we? <laughs> you would be right. So this is the halfway point. Yes. Okay, so they watched the videos that Rahul had made and he was studying for this alien coming back. Mm -hmm. The Doctor realises that the blue onion is designed for a return journey as well. Mm -hmm. So she's able to deduce that the two aliens, this humanoid, humanoid one, sorry, and the big tendril monster are at war. Yeah. So the plan is... We're going to capture them before they meet one another and fight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, someone rings uh, Graham with some info. And, David, I've already said this is a new era of the show. Yeah. And I know we've already toyed with the idea of a new catchphrase for you today. Mm-hmm. I think this is the one we're going to go for. Okay. So from now on, when I'm doing the little tweets and, you know, you need to shuffle me on a bit. Yeah. Can you just shout, eat my salad Halloween? <laughs> okay. I th- it is a weirdly divisive moment. I love it. What do you think about 
drunk, drunk kebab man. Yeah, but I wanted the alien to be... If the alien's going to kill him, why didn't the alien go, no, you eat my kebab Halloween and shoot him <laughs> to bits? It's not his style. He's terribly serious, Tim Shaw. Um, but I, I like it just because, again, it's like, yeah, if you're going to set an episode of Doctor Who in night in Sheffield, you've got to have a drunk man stumbling around with a kebab. Just thinking, because this episode will release on the 18th. Mm-hmm. That means six episodes, let me flick forward in my notes, will be around the end of October. That will be Halloween. I'm just going to put by kebab. <laughs> on our Halloween episode, I'm going to shout, eat my salad, Halloween, and throw <laughs> all the salad out the window. Good times. Yeah. I, I just, like, that scene, man. What was going on? Do you not like it? Yeah, but in an ironic way, I thought it was absolutely bonkers. Yeah, no, I no, I genuinely love it. I think it's like, if, yeah. If you, if you were drunk, right? Yeah. If you were drunk, on your way home, you've been for a few pints, you've got, you know, your kebab on the way home, mm-hmm. and someone starts giving you grief, you don't shout eat my kebab Halloween, you either say, oh, leave us alone, mate, away. We've all had a few. Or you just shout, piss off and run as fast as you can. (laughs) Eat my salad Halloween. Oh, I think we we need to move on, Matt. Yeah, I'm going to recut that scene. So it is, eat my delicious Nopper's Nut Bar. (laughs) A treat for the whole family. (laughs) Come on, let's crack on. Right, so the Doctor and friends electrocute the tendrils and it turns out that they are dozens of gathering coils. Yeah. And they are for gathering data. They gathered data from Carl, who Mm -hmm. was the inconsequential man on the train. Yes. As they learn all this, the alien approaches and the Doctor still doesn't know who she is. Mm Mm-hmm. This is where we get a big exposition dump. So she asks why this alien is taking teeth. And it turns out that this alien is a stenzer. Mm-hmm. It's Simshar of the stenzer. Yeah. And he wears his conquests. So he takes a little medal from yeah. each of his victims. Yeah. I, I love that he, he's, you know, his name is Simshar, but... But the doctor's just like, Tim Shaw. Yeah. 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 So, he wants to lead the Stenzer. He's on a hunt. It's a ritual. Mm -hmm. So, he's hunting this big coil monster, it seems. But there's a hint that that might not be the case. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Ryan was granted access when he touched... Sorry, Ryan granted access when he touched the energy. That invited... Zimshaw to Earth. Yeah. And it turns out that Zimshaw is hunting Carl. Can can I just say, on the subject of completely unnecessary plot details, why? You could just have had Ryan chuck the bike down the thing, scramble down there and find the weird alien pod. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any difference to the story. What? What was the 
what was the alien that we watched maybe last season, season before, where it was all about consent? Oh, that was the monks. Yes, that was it. Yeah. Because it's the same... At least that was kind of like the crux of the episode. Not just like this throwaway idea that that you can literally cut out of the script and it changes none of the events that, that transpire. Yeah, like... Now that you've raised it, yeah, that didn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Okay, so... Zimshaw is cheating on his hunt because he's actually using the coils rather than fighting against them. Mm-hmm. They are helping him to hunt down for finding Carl. Yeah. Zimshaw kills again on his way to Carl... And we find out Carl is a crane operator. Mm-hmm. So Simshaw starts to climb up to him. Graham and Grace work together to evacuate the site. Yeah. They make a good team, those two, don't they? Yeah, I know it was mentioned earlier, but I hope they go back in time at some point to when Grace is still alive. We'll talk. I think we'll talk about more about Grace in a few in a few minutes, won't we? So okay. Yeah. So the Doctor orders Simshaw to leave Earth. Mm-hmm. That's when he teleports away to go get Carl. Uh, Ryan and Yaz start to climb up the crane with the Doctor. Obviously, Ryan's quite nervous because of his dyspraxia. Yeah. And once they're up there. Carl needs to climb from crane to crane. Yeah. As the aliens are hunting him. Yeah. I think if I was in that position and I had to jump from crane to crane, I, I'm i not terrified of heights, but I, I get uneasy at heights. I don't think I'd have made that jump as well as he did. No. <laughs> Um, that would be the end of the episode for me they'd just be a loud splat a big (laughs) pile of raspberry jam on the floor yeah you know everyone kind of awkwardly stepping backwards away i mean in fact it would play the curb your enthusiasm (laughs) theme song (laughs) i mean as for me i'm i've not diagnosed with dyspraxia but you've you've met me i'm not saying i'm not an elegant man no uh, I, I think the I phrase is quite... turning circle of a truck. <laughs> yeah. I, I do quite routinely just walk into doors and things. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 yeah. I, I wouldn't rate my chances one jot. But for, fortunately for Carl, he's on, He's a character on a TV show that's uh, pre-Watershed, so he needn't worry, really. Now, you know earlier when I said I have a relationship with Doctor Who? Yeah. This is the first time Doctor Who has ever inspired me. Oh, wow. Because the Doctor says she wants a fried egg sandwich. And as <laughs> soon as that idea entered my brain, I was like, I have to have one. <laughs> like, yeah. there is nothing better. Yeah. Proper squashy white bread. Yeah. A, a stotty, maybe, if you can get your hands on one. Yeah, and you want it so, as soon as you bite into it, you just want yolk all over your face, all down Mm -hmm. your t-shirt. Yeah, good times. Yeah, Uh, uh, 
of all of the doctor's post regeneration uh nonsense craving a fried egg sandwich makes the most sense yeah you marry that with a tenant who just liked a pot of tea you're into a winner (laughs) yeah you leave the custard and the fish fingers to one side yeah i can't remember what did capaldi want or did he he just i think he just wanted everyone to leave him alone yeah oh that's right he just went to bed didn't he yeah. Uh, oh, then he went wandering around in the streets and stole stole a homeless man's coat. Correct. I remember now. Deep breath is a very odd episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we haven't even mentioned that there was a big T Rex just walking <laughs> around in the background. No, it's a very very strange piece of television. I do quite like it though. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So Grace wants to stop the alien. Um. You know after. She and Graham have evacuated everyone. Yaz begins operating the crane. And mm-hmm. as Carl begins to make his jump, he makes it halfway till Simshaw catches him. Because mm-hmm. at first I was like, that is such an easy jump. How has he not made it? But Simshaw's caught him. Yeah. Okay. And then the doctor makes the jump, but she goes the hard way. Yeah. So instead of jumping down, she manages to jump and catch on. I, and I like her line, I swear these legs used to be longer. Yeah. Um, whilst talking to Zimshaw, she mentions that she, when looking at the big blue onion, took one of the crystals, so has the pod recall. Mm-hmm. So even if he wins, he can't get home. Grace and Graham develop a plan using electricity. Uh, to fight off all the tendrils. Mm-hmm. And this is the moment where the Doctor remembers who she is. Yeah, we finally get our, our big <sighs> I am the Doctor moment. But yeah, I, I think that's probably the downer on this episode for me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't quite land, does it? Well, you know, you're in this high tension moment and it's like, oh no, how are we going to get out of this? And, you know, it's like, is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, the Doctor's here to fix everything. If it was the Doctor earlier in the episode and they'd come up against hardship and not succeeded and then developed a plan. But here it's just like, oh, I'm the Doctor again now. And then they just win. Yeah. It doesn't... Yeah, it just doesn't quite have the impact. I I don't think anything will beat... uh, Matt Smith's "Hello, I'm the Doctor." After uh, you know, when he's when the Atraxi have when he steps through that kind of hologram yeah, cloudy like, thing, they've already gone, and he's called them back just to threaten them and be like, <laughs> yeah. "Just so you know." <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a hard one to beat. That, but but the, yeah, the, the, Jim was trying, I guess. Yeah. So at the realization that he's facing the Doctor. Simshaw decides to set off all the DNA bombs. But when the tendrils had absorbed information, the Doctor had worked out a way that it also absorbed the bombs Mm -hmm. and put them back into Simshaw along with the information. Yeah. I mean, I know this is a TV show about an alien with two hearts, but that is a leap in logic for me. 
yeah, you just got to go with it, I guess. I it it doesn't bother me too much because it, Doctor Who's not always great on the resolutions anyway. It's more about the journey and also I'm very forgiving of a slightly weak plot for a new Doctor introduction episode. Like we just mentioned 11th hour, brilliant episode. The 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 actual alien villain plot. You could write it on you know half a folded up napkin you know it's it's not substantial yeah right so once weakened Simshaw is kicked off the crane by uh, Carl mm-hmm. and again we get a little doctory moment where she's like no you had no right to do that yeah I don't know that one doesn't quite sit right with me, though, because it's like you've just implanted five DNA bombs in this guy. And now you're lecturing this other guy who was literally being hunted by it for kicking him off a crane. Yeah. 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 I th- I'm just a bit like, yeah, get off your high horse, Doctor. Yeah, and it, it seems a bit out of character from this new, happier... Doctor, mm, yeah. to then turn it, on the sixpence and be quite, you know, strict. Yeah, it is a sharp turn, that, yeah, which is interesting. So, Grace attacks the tendrils yeah. with a big power cable that Graham switched on from the ground. Yeah. But as a result, she herself mm. is electrocuted. She refuses to let go to make sure the job's done. Yeah. And she falls, falls from the crane. Yeah. Okay. So, first thing I'm I'm gonna just check with you because I'll be honest, Matt. I I I've seen this episode three times now. Um. You've seen it just the once, but do you know why they were specifically? What was the tendril thing even doing at that point? Well, wasn't it just kind of there? To stop people getting to Simshaw. Maybe. But, you know, the Doctor and Yaz and Ryan were already up there dealing with that. So, I I, I don't know. It feels very artificial. I know Grace is very gung-ho. But it's like, you don't need to be doing that. Hmm. So it feels like a really senseless death. Yeah. I it, think it, it's it would... almost as though they wrote in the whole hunt the tendril things just so they could have this death at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And that's frustrating for me because Okay, are you familiar with the term fridging? Yes. Yeah. Um any of our listeners who aren't, it's basically this idea that within within fiction, if you introduce specifically a female character, basically only to kill them off, and and in doing so motivate a male character, yeah, um, it's you know it, it's a pretty egregious uh, thing to do. Um, there was a lot of debate in the fandom as to whether or not Grace's death is an example of fridging. It's borderline, I would say. Um, it's certainly not a good look 
for the show, I don't think, which doesn't always have the best track record with how it it treats um, non-white characters mm-hmm. at the best of times. Um, and, yeah, I think I would accept it slightly more if it was a genuine heroic death and less just like, oh, this lady who's a little bit too reckless gets a comeuppance. Yeah. Which is almost it, how it comes across. It, it boils down to an ill-thought-out mistake. <sighs> yeah. It, and and as others have said, she is so good in this episode. She is so yeah. much fun. You so desperately want her to be on board of that TARDIS because she would have an absolute hoot. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel the Doctor would bounce well off her as well. Yeah. So it feels feels like a missed opportunity in that respect but we are where we are grace has died Mm. you know so she says goodbye to graham yeah and everyone arrives just as she dies yeah we cut back to ryan's youtube video from the beginning of the episode Mm -hmm. and it turns out it's about his nan not the doctor i thought we were gonna get you know a little bit you know like love and monsters linda yeah well, I, I genuinely, whilst I was just criticising the decision to kill off Grace itself, I do like the clever reveal there. Because if you think about the amount of hype going into this particular episode, you've got a female doctor. That kind of misdirect of starting with this person talking about this amazing woman. And then actually it's just coming from a very real heartfelt place. He's just talking about his nan, who was a very wonderful inspirational person to him i i like that i like it's it's an intentional kind of undercutting of the doctor as the godlike hero that everyone should be you know uh, in awe of Mm -hmm. it kind of brings it down to something more real um so you know i I, i'd say credit to chibnall on that one i think that's that was a neat little neat little switcheroo so the next day, Ryan tries to ride his bike again. Mm-hmm. Um, he says he's going to do it for his nan, and mm-hmm. we see that the doctor is watching him. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. It's bad enough trying to ride ride a bike if you are dyspraxic. Trying to do it whilst you've got dyspraxia, and also you're feeling very sad. I wouldn't say he's really setting himself up for success there. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So Ryan's dad doesn't attend Grace's funeral. Yeah. And we find out that Ryan's mum died six years ago. Mm-hmm. And another bit that I did quite like was Graham's speech at the funeral. Yeah. I thought that I was mean, quite emotive. Bradley Walsh just, just smashes it out of the park. Yeah. Doesn't he? he discusses how he's had cancer in the past. Mm-hmm. Grace was his chemo nurse and that's how they found one another. Yeah. Yeah. And then Yaz orders the doctor to change her clothes. Mm-hmm. I when we saw the curtain of the changing room, I thought we were going to get a nineteen eighties movie montage of her, <laughs> of her coming out and Yaz giving the thumbs down, yeah. and then finally settling, and Yaz gives the thumbs up. You need to you need to watch uh, Tom Baker's first story at some point. No, thank you. I won't say any more than that. But um, okay, shall I tell you what I really do love about that scene? 
is that it's a charity shop. Mm. I love that this doctor gets her costume from a charity shop and makes somebody else pay for it. <laughs> but, um, yeah. What I do you think that, of the costume? I know that the doctor is renowned for wearing like odd clothes. Yeah. But, I mean, Eccleston sort of set the precedent of dressing normally. Mm-hmm. Tennant just kind of wore nice suits. Same with Smith. Yeah, but he wore very casual shoes. Oh, yeah. how quirky. What a cad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I I don't know what this is she's got like big fisherman boots on mm-hmm. like half mast trousers braces a weird long coat like mm-hmm. I don't know I think I need to see more of it to see how it works in action yeah yeah that's fair that's fair um, I would compare this a bit to the fifth doctor's costume mm-hmm. which I think is the first one of the uh, classic Doctors to really feel quite self-consciously costumey. Wasn't yes. it just cricket whites and a bit of celery? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It feels like a very, like, here's what we're doing kind of thing, if that makes sense. Whereas with the fourth Doctor, yes, the long scarf is very silly. Yes, the floppy hat is, you know... It's yeah, but, a lot with the fourth but, doctor, but, but you people kind of dress like that in the sixties and seventies. Yeah, you 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 believe it in a sort of like shambolic bohemian, or, or maybe even like aristocratic type posing as bohemian. You know, it it fits perfectly with this character, whereas with the fifth doctor's costume, it's like a costume designer has sat down and thought, like, now what would Pete Davis uh, Peter Davison look good in? But that would be a bit quirky. Well, you know, he's a very smart, nice English-looking man. Let's pop him in some very smart English cricket whites. That works. Oh, it's not quite quirky enough. What can we do? Ah, oh, slap a vegetable on him. Mm. You, um. So yeah, I think it's a. It seems it feels a touch more artificial. Like someone has sat down and thought about it. But to be fair, that someone was in large part Jodie Whittaker herself. She had a lot of say in her costume. Right, okay. And, and people have actually tracked down. There was a specific like fashion photo for I think it was like in some eighties fashion journal or something, of quite an androgynous um model with the sort of half length trousers, the braces, T shirt, and the big stompy boots which became the core of the look. And she was just like, yes, that, because it was like, it was kind of trendy, but practical at the same time. Was kind yeah. of the right, and, and quite, and quite unisex as well, which is something she was very keen on. She didn't want to, as the first female doctor to be going around in something that was very overtly feminine. Yeah. I'm just, I, I, I've literally just Googled that as you're talking. And yeah. Yeah. You can see where the inspiration is. From, yeah. from that picture. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think seeing it in action will definitely help. I think especially where the coat's concerned. I love the coat because of the motion of it. You know, when we get some good, like, running running down corridors. Yeah, in the same way as, like, Capaldi's big velvet jacket. Yeah, yeah. I think a big coat is kind of one of the key things with the Doctor's costume. There's got to be a, like a like a bit of flap to it, right? 
Finally, she invites everyone to come find the TARDIS with her. Yeah. And she wants to use the blue pod to send her to the planet where the TARDIS is. Mm-hmm. Now, what I thought was going to happen is, when she says goodbye to everyone, it was going to blast her off and she was going to reappear almost immediately because the TARDIS is on Earth. Mm-hmm. But what it actually did was just shoot everyone into space. <laughs> yeah. It's a good cliffhanger, right? It's your classic episode two, Let's Go to Space. Yeah. Every series. Yeah. <laughs> but also, let's maybe just asphyxiate in the vacuum of space. Yeah. No, they'll get yeah. rescued. Mm. Well, we'll have to wait and see when we watch The Ghost Monument. Oh, is that next week? That's next week's episode. Are you looking forward to it, Matt? Um, yeah, like, I just don't know what to expect. Even yeah. having seen this, like, it's well, so different. And you I, can't judge anything on a first episode. No, especially not a first Doctor, you know, when... Because they're, they're always wonky, aren't they? Mm. You know, in some ways, I feel like second episodes for, for new Doctors are more important than the first episodes. That's where you really start to get a measure of them. Um, but yeah, it's so yeah. interesting to see. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so thanks, as always, dear listeners. Um, and until next time, cheerio. Eat my salad, Halloween. <laughs>